Welcome once again to our Engineering for the New Reality podcast series. You know, with so much of hype around artificial intelligence, there are tons of platforms and solutions in the market, all promising to revolutionize the way companies do business. Today, we're going to look at a very specific subsegment, industrial AI. We're going to talk about the things that go into making a platform truly industrial and how the LTTS I know and Avatil platforms, when combined, are ideally suited for industrial use cases. To give us some deeper insight into these things, I have with me our Chief Technology Officer, Ashish Kushu. Hi, Ashish. Welcome back to the podcast. How's it going? Hi, Akshay. Thank you for having me here. You know, Ashish, you've always called Aino an industrial AI tool. So what is it about Aino that makes it so uniquely industrial? Um, so actually, as you're aware, we are a product engineering services company and a large number of customers are in the manufacturing segment in, the, in, in what we call the industrial space. And we wanted to see how do we leverage AI to solve the use cases which were very particular to this segment. And that's why uh, the terminology of industrial AI platform, that's Aino. Now, what makes Aino very special is that uh, the, the way we have built the platform and the way we are looking at uh, how to solve engineering um, use cases, uh, that sort of distinctly defines the features that we've built in. In fact, let me just uh, illustrate a case in point. Uh, when you're looking at um, digitizing an engineering drawing, um, you know, an engineering drawing uh, could be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. And when you're looking at digitizing uh, engineering drawing, uh, the symbols that were used in these engineering drawings uh, a few years back uh, were very different. You know, if you go back and see the type of uh, electrical symbols or Greek symbols or math symbols that were used in drawings um, 30, 40, 50 years back. That's very different than the way they, then very, very, very different than the way uh, the, the same symbols were used um, about 20, 30 years back. So it led us to uh, a situation where we realized that when we are trying to, uh, to read out these symbols, there was no OCR worth its uh, name available in the market, which could scan and identify what these Greek symbols meant, what these unique engineering drawing symbols meant, uh, what what was the significance or the meaning of the electrical symbols which were there, which were appearing in these drawings. So we went on to develop our own OCR, which we call the LTTS INO OCR, which today has the unique uh, ability to identify around 200 plus engineering symbols, uh, not only covering the engineering symbols that are used today, but taking into account the type of symbols that were used in drawings when they were drawn about 60, 70 years old back. So these are the type of unique uh, unique issues or unique problems that we came across in the industrial uh, space. And these are the fe- this led to us building features and functionalities which are very unique to Aino. And so that, that's why we believe that what we have in hand is fairly unique and fairly focused. So Ashish, give us a little overview on Avatel. You call it an integrated smart engineering platform. What was going on in your mind when building Avatel? And what are the unique challenges that it solves? So uh, I'll st- take a step back. If you look at what's happening in a 
average um, plant or a manufacturing organization. Uh, broadly, there are uh, four areas where data is getting generated. Uh, it's, it's on the manufacturing side. It's on the engineering side, which is uh, the data about the product when you're creating it, when you're testing it, when you're looking at its performance, benchmarking it, looking at its quality, etc., etc. And the third part was the enterprise um, side where, you know, you were taking whatever was the product that you were manufacturing and you were connecting it with the, the, that part of the infrastructure which was taking care of the supply side, warehousing, logistics, transportation, etc., etc. So till a few years back, uh, one could say that there were three areas where analytics was being done. One was manufacturing analytics, the other was engineering analytics, which was around the product. The third was enterprise business analytics, which was addressing the business side of the uh, value chain. In the last few years, what has happened is that there is a, another set of um, analytics which is happening around data that connected products are generating, which is the IIoT analytics. So now you have four categories. You have engineering analytics, which is about the product's performance. You have manufacturing analytics, which is about uh, the operational efficiencies that one wants to achieve during the process of manufacturing. You have uh, IIoT use cases or IIoT analytics, which has got to do with what happens when the product is actually deployed and you're actually monitoring the way uh, manufacturing is happening. And then you have the business side, which is the enterprise business analytics. So these are the four areas and we realized that, look, we were very good in, in, in uh, the engineering analytics. That's what our domain and our DNA is all about, how to understand the functionalities, the material composition, the material quality, the design, whether the product is performing well under extreme weather conditions or environmental conditions, et cetera, et cetera. So we knew it very well. What we didn't know and what we realized is going to be a very big problem is that what happens when the product is actually working. How do you find out the state of the health of a machine or a compressor or a grinder or anything which has got a rotary part in it? How do you find out how is it behaving while it's in operation and what happens if it fails? Uh, because of our exposure to manufacturing plants, we realized that this is one area where there would definitely be a technology intervention uh, which would make a lot of sense. And that's what gave birth to Evertel. Evertel is our second gen uh, predictive maintenance uh, product. Uh, the first version was condition-based monitoring, uh, which is, I mean, everybody calls it a condition-based monitoring. We are variant of condition-based monitoring, where we were monitoring what, uh, what was the behavior of uh, the particular asset or a machine at a certain moment in time. Uh, now, when we come to predictive, which is a naturally the next level of uh, management of the performance, is what's the product doing and what are the early signs that one is catching to predict what is going to happen to the product when is it going to fail or what is the remaining life left. So that's what Evertel is all about. And uh, it, it's been fairly successful in its deployments uh, with, with more than about 200 of these deployed across the globe in uh, various uh, manufacturing organizations. And uh, that's what Everton does. So building on the conditioning and predictive monitoring that you just spoke about, uh, could you talk a little bit about the LTTS predictive analytics modeling library? Uh, how can companies derive value from it? 
Uh, that's a very interesting question, Akshay, because um, let's divide uh, the, the equipment that we have today in two parts. One is the legacy ones where, let's say, for example, you have a compressor and it's lying on the floor or uh, in, in different geos, wherever the manufacturing plants are. And uh, more than often than not, the specifications of those compressors, because they're fairly old, are not are, are, uh, are, could be very different from one plant to the other or one line to the other. Uh, going forward, in the next gen of compressors or next generation of HT panels or droops or induction motors, for sure, they will be designed with a criteria in mind that they would get connected on the net and therefore they would have a mechanism by means of which uh, the working of the induction motor would get transmitted, would get captured and get transmitted through the network to a server. Now, the situation for all the legacy equipment is that these, uh, this equipment is lying on the floors and you would like to utilize the, uh, the, the new ways of uh, capturing information and figuring out how do you predict when this is going to fail and if it's going to fail, what can you do proactively to ensure that there's no downtime? So what we've done is we've gone around studying at least 36 different type of assets which are available on the design floor, on the manufacturing floor from diesel generator, chillers, vacuum pumps, cooling towers, blowers, compressors, induction motors, turbines, etc., etc. So there are about 36 of them. And based on the knowledge that we have, we have gone ahead and uh, done, done what one may want to call as a digital twinning um, of, of some of these assets. And uh, therefore, we've been able to build a digital twin of uh, around 50 such assets uh, commonly deployed. And these, this forms the model library that we have. Now, these are physics-based models that we have created, which, which sort of cover the complete component um, functioning and, uh, and, and, and the way they would work in correlation to the different parts of what a compressor would look like. We have simulated some data uh, into these models and created um, a slightly more robust model to check whether it works or not. And then it is ready to deploy on the gateway that we have. Now, the issue is that this is as good as, as we talked the last time, is as good as the modeling capabilities that we have as well as the live data that we have. Now, the modeling capability that we have from the specs or the specifications and the physics of these equipment allows us to build an ML model, which could be 60 to 70% accurate in its behavior. But we have to actually deploy it in the manufacturing plant. And then uh, after we sensorize the induction motor, let's say induction motor, after we sensorize it with the right type of sensors, put the edge gateway, put the ML model on top of this edge gateway, take live data for a period of 15 days or a month or max two months to build a far more robust model, which then goes on to give you accuracies as high as 93 to 95%. Uh, what's important and uh, what is unique from LTTS perspective is not only that we have these ML models which are uh, built with us to the tune around 
you know, as I said, 36 to 50, something in that range. But more important than that is that we have the ability to understand what is the type of sensorization a particular equipment would require. I mean, let's take an induction motor or a conveyor belt motor. How does it function and what is the type of sensors that is that are required to capture the right type of information to predict uh, what will happen and therefore enrich the ML model and have have good amount of uh, predictability on the behavior. Now, uh, now, now the sensorization is as important as anything else because if you have garbage in, garbage out, if you don't have the right type of sensors in an industrial environment or you're not capturing the right type of data, because not only do you have to take data from these sensors, you also have to take the data from the SCADA sources that are available, merge both of these and then come out with the model. So in my view, not only is the uniqueness of a solution coming from the fact that we've been able to build these models, but also from the fact that we have a very, very extensive, uh, credible uh, story around how to sensorize these equipments and how to take data and then enrich the ML model that we have. So Ashish, you were mentioning that Avatel has over 200 successful deployments across the globe. Are there some exciting use cases we've solved that, that you could perhaps talk about? Yeah, you know, uh, since the people listening to this podcast would be people from our fraternity, so they would know all type of uh, use cases which go in the engineering space. So I'm fairly certain they won't find any one of them very interesting. But I must uh, tell you a very interesting one, uh, which was a little bit different from uh, nature of the work that it does and its area of deployment. And that's the conveyor belts at airports. Uh, while interacting with a customer, uh, he told us that there are airports uh, uh, globally where the length of conveyor belt runs in 40 to 50 kilometers. This in itself was a fairly uh, interesting piece of uh, nugget, whereas I'm concerned, but 40 to 50 kilometers of a conveyor belt, the entire 50 kilometers is broken down into lengths of about four to five feet. So now you can do a multiplication of how many sections and subsections that of 40, 50 kilometer of conveyor belt gets broken down into. Now, when you're doing this in the baggage uh, transportation um, area in, in, in the airport, uh, obviously this 50 kilometer would be spread over a very vast area of uh, the airport and not everywhere would there be a situation where people are standing and looking at what's happening and what's not happening. And so if one subsegment uh, fails, obviously it will have an impact on uh, the whole chain. And, and what does it do basically? You put a luggage on top of it, it checks the weight of the luggage, and it has to throw the luggage uh, to the next uh, segment, uh, which is in front. And it does so by moving the bars, and the bars move because of the electrical drive. And the more the weight, the more is the power required to move the luggage to the next subsegment. The more the power is required, the more the strain on the electric, electric drive and the motor. So now uh, the weight of the luggage determines the current that would be drawn to drive the motor to generate a force which will take your bag, which is fairly heavy, to the ne next subsegment. Now imagine it fails in that part of the airport where 
it may take you five minutes to reach. What happens? Fairly a confusing and a chaotic situation, I would guess. So by leveraging Evertel, we were able to uh, very successfully, about 98%, with 98% accuracy, predict which drive and motor is going to develop a problem. And uh, that was a very, very uh, important insight for the people supplying those conveyor belts because that suddenly led to a far uh, better or, or, or a lot of increase in the efficiencies and reduction in the breakdown of these belts. So I think that was a very uh, interesting use case. Uh, we've been traveling for such a long time, we never ever imagined that this is what is the real problem under the surface of the airport. That's very interesting. I had no idea that the baggage belts in airports were 35 to 40 kilometers long. So Ashish, moving on, what is Aino and Avatil's roadmap? What are some of the exciting capabilities and features that you see coming up in the next six to 12 months? So actually, uh, let me start with Avertil first. Very clearly, Avertil will have a few variants. Very clearly, Avertil is uh, having a uh, cloud deployment architecture and uh, it'll be certified by all the major cloud vendors. Uh, very clearly, uh, Evertel will have a very rich library of uh, models and we, we aim to go beyond 100 in a very short period of time. And very clearly, Evertel will move soon to a, a architecture where it will be uh, a completely a software on demand type of a model where you could have a you could have a plant or you could have a customer uh, who would have its own edge gateway. He has sensorized and all he wants is a particular model, and we should be in a situation to just uh, ask him to download the model based on uh, the money he gives us. So I think we're very clear on the type of features and functionalities Evertel will have. We're also clear that Evertel will soon move to a situation where it would be uh, software or ML models on demand. So that's how we look at the virtual shaping up in the next uh, 12 uh, months or so. Where is Aino is concerned, we are focusing on uh, various use cases for uh, engineering, as I said. Aino also has become an integrated part of our platforms. So when we look at IBEMs or we look at Ubiquis or we look at um, log analysis uh, software uh, that we have, Novis, or we look at compute vision, we are moving to a stage that components of INO are being taken and getting integrated into these platforms so, this all, so, so that all these platforms are AI enabled from the way they handle their data. So these are the two important steps that we have uh, planned out for INO and Avertal, and we are on uh, a fairly good roadmap to execute on this. So Ashish, you spoke a lot about Avatel delivering uh, 95 to 98% accuracy in the predictive programs that we run today. So do you see this going up to maybe 99 or 99.99%? It'll be immodest on my part and uh, probably not very correct on my part to say yes. Uh, that is not uh, what I perceive it to be. Uh, remember, its its uh, accuracy percentage depends not only on the robustness of our algorithms, but also on the type of data uh, that is fed into these models. So both of them are important. 
and uh, the maturity of our algorithms is also very very important and as we deploy more become more experienced we are understanding and managing the type of challenges uh, practical deployments are throwing up so i would say that it'll take some time for us to be near 99 to 100% but fairly confident about 98% Thanks, Ashish, for giving us that fascinating overview on the Ino and Avatel platforms. If you want to know more about these platforms, do visit our website at www.lttts.com for more information. Thank you and have a great day.